everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Classy Broadcast. My name is Daniela Lefebvre, and I'm a stand-up comic and comedy host from Austin, Texas. And I'm a total coward. Just hear me out on that one. By day, I'm an SEO manager. For people who live most of their lives away from a computer, that stands for search engine optimization. Basically, I make Google results for tech companies. And a lot of data goes into that, especially at a big company where you have to persuade a lot of people that your ideas have potential to make the business a lot of money. So big tech executives are famous for saying things like, move fast and break things, embrace failure, it's okay to fail, but shareholders expect profit and don't accept excuses, so risks are always calculated. And what I do is a long-term effort, and no one wants to spend time and effort chasing things that have no ROI, return on investment, if you speak in words, not acronyms. Being a comedian is the exact opposite of that. You can't get any proof that what you're doing works until you make your thing and get it out in front of people. Everything you do is a risk. And coming from the risk-averse corporate world, taking a gamble on myself without any proof of concept has been one hell of a thing to wrap my head around. What did I do to start my comedy career instead of getting out there and building proof? I told jokes at happy hours, in video calls and shit with my friends and colleagues, to myself in the shower, in places where... I might laugh, maybe my friends would laugh, but nobody would heckle me. I was avoiding rejection all the way. And in so doing, also avoiding any kind of growth or potential that I might actually succeed. Funny how that works. So I started acting when I was nine and I've always loved performing. Acting in a production, you take creative risks in a controlled way. You try things out in rehearsals over weeks or months and as a cast, you figure out what works together. The director has eyes on you the whole time and they can suggest new things to try. Or if something that you're doing isn't working, they can steer you away from it if they think it's not gonna land with an audience. The only people who see messing up are the people next to you who are also messing up. They also have skin in the game. Stand-up comedy is exhilarating because it's so brutally personal. You don't know until you stand up and deliver each joke whether you're gonna get the thrill of laughter or the terror of a dead room. I've had both of those different kinds of adrenaline. Even though I'm new to comedy, there's a lot of feelings that go into it either which way. And I never thought I'd be the kind of person to try podcasting because it's so self-directed. And a friend who has a YouTube channel saw my stand-up and suggested that I start a podcast. So my immediate response was, I don't have anything to say. Nobody cares what I think about anything. He's from New Jersey and he's real quick at the comeback. So he says, girl, you have no business in comedy if you don't have any opinions. And that kind of pissed me off because I've always been told I'm way too opinionated or bossy or I need to tone it down and be more approachable. But what happens when you tone it down as a creator? No one knows who you are. They don't care about anything you make. You're butter noodles. You might be comforting to some people, but you're ultimately bland and forgettable. You might as well not even try if you're being toned down. So over the course of this podcast, I'm gonna pour some sauce on topics I find compelling. It might be creative entrepreneurship, could be current events in pop culture, and you can expect some bits in here too. But for now, the plan is to be just me, because without a big platform, it's not really worth anybody's time to come on here and be a guest, unless I get a fun idea and wanna try something with my friends and they think it's fun too. But you're not looking at the next Joe Rogan. I'm aware of that. This is an art project here. Let me leave you with this. When you have an idea and you think no one's asking for this, you might be right. But if you don't try, someone else will make the thing you wanted to make and there will be people who love it. 
And I think one of the best things that you can do for yourself as a creator is represent yourself, tell your own story. And I think that there's been a cultural shift from when I was younger to now where talking about yourself is impolite, but there's also a shift for representation and we want authenticity, but in order to get that, you have to listen to people in their own words and that can't happen unless people are willing to get up there and be honest and exposed. So I think that the whole idea that making art about yourself, taking selfies, doing whatever, is not narcissistic as long as it's honest. I think that we can't have it both ways. You can't like, okay, I also think narcissism as a word is just totally overused. I could probably do an entire episode on that. But look, I'm a Honduran, Swedish, Irish, American of Sephardic Jewish descent. I'm autistic. I have ADHD. I'm a sexual assault and domestic violence survivor. There just aren't that many people like me. Some of my life experiences are universal because I'm a human being, but some would require care and nuance to be told truthfully. And as any Hollywood culture critic on Twitter would tell you, old white guys in a boardroom at NBC wouldn't be the people to do that. I'm never going to see myself represented in media unless I tell stories about my own life. And I think that's true for pretty much any creator who's had anything interesting happen to them. I think that's true for addicts. I think it's true for trauma survivors and war veterans and anybody whose life is worth making art about, or at least have a seat at the table when art about their lives is being made. But I'm never gonna be on board with the idea that making something that people didn't necessarily ask for, but that is true, is narcissistic or vain or toxic. I think we can be the auteurs of our own stories, both narrator and subject. Don't tell me that the democratization of the internet is good for news and current events, but bad for creative storytelling. The idea that people should be able to tweet about what's happening to them in real time, and that's brave or newsworthy, but like women shouldn't write about their lived experiences is misogynistic, but more to the point, it's boring. If other people feel that their lives aren't interesting or worth writing about, or there's no content there to create stories around, then okay, cool. But one person's insecurity or a group of people's insecurities shouldn't be a reason why anybody self-censors. I think about all the things that I have abandoned over the years because I just, I got in my own head about it. I started thinking like, oh, nobody's going to like this. Nobody's going to want this. Um, and then a couple years later, I see a sitcom that's almost exactly like an idea that I had. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> or I almost didn't even start doing stand-up because um, an ex-boyfriend of mine said that I was cringy and that I wasn't funny and that my jokes were never going to land in front of a real audience. And that turned out very much not to be the case. Sure, I have cringy moments, but I really hate the word the way the word is applied. It's especially toward neurodivergent people like myself. And I think that it's a shitty thing to say. And I don't think that word has, frankly, a place in creative communities. There are different definitions of what cringe or cringy is. In ContraPoints' video about cringe, 
she refers to Melissa Dahl's book, Cringeworthy, A Theory of Awkwardness. Cringe is suddenly you see yourself through someone else's eyes. It's a forced moment of self-awareness, and it usually makes you cognizant of the disappointing fact that you aren't measuring up to your own self-concept. Urban Dictionary, the old standard, just says it's embarrassing or awkward. But if you are aware that you exist outside the norm, you're already used to seeing yourself from someone else's perspective. That's the default setting. You might already doubt your self-worth and develop self-awareness to an almost hypervigilant degree. You monitor, check, and examine yourself constantly. The scrutiny isn't narcissism, it's survival. And being autistic, this is something that I have cultivated my entire life. Just when you're yourself, you people react to it poorly. There's no other way to put it. This is why this is one reason why I hate the word cringe so much is it's ableist as fuck. And usually I have a pretty thick skin about autism jokes. I I, I go to a lot of open mics and a lot of a lot of comics love to joke about autism because it's it's considered funny to a lot of people and yes to an extent it's fucking hilarious one of my favorite shows is about three autistic siblings and it's great but like the way that they're all portrayed is very thoughtful it's called everything's gonna be all right sorry side note there but in a book that I read during my autism diagnosis called Camouflage, The Hidden Lives of Autistic Women, it offered a helpful flowchart for determining whether someone is a friend. Do we have something in common? Yes or no? Did they stick up for me when I was being bullied? Yes or no? Can I be myself when I'm around them? Yes or no? Mostly yes, they're a friend. Mostly no, they're not a friend. And I think this is a good way to evaluate whether somebody is gonna be supportive of your work or not. I think if somebody's like calling your work cringy or they're, they just think everything you do is awkward and weird, you can't build creative momentum around that. People can't be themselves authentically. New things can't be created. Only what's already acceptable gets created. There's no challenge of the status quo. There's no forward movement. That's not art. That's a production line. That's not a creative community, that's a clique. It's a cool kids table that upholds the existing power structures and buys into trends rather than supporting them. Art is subjective, but skill really isn't. And the internet is supposed to be an open place where novices can connect with each other and find mentors without being harassed. Harassment doesn't need to be the defining feature of cyberculture, in my opinion. So here's what I try to do when someone tells me that something I'm doing is cringe. I went to grad school to become a licensed professional counselor. There are all these therapists that I've read over the years and all these psychologists, and one of my favorites is Albert Ellis. And uh, he coined a term that I just find delightfully crass called masturbation. Albert Ellis says there are three musts that hold us back. I must do well, you must treat me well, and the world must be easy. I must do well stops a lot of creators from progressing after a mistake or negative feedback. So I'd like to examine the should statements I'm getting from peers and my audience. Here are some unsolicited marks that my friends and I have gotten. You shouldn't make fan art. You should talk more about your kids and your stand-up. You should talk more about being Mexican. Would you tell your best friend to treat that shit as fact? If not, work on ignoring them. We know to ignore what the haters say, but you can also ignore the well-intentioned supporters who don't know you as well as they think they do. 
you can manage the expectations you have for yourself and those around you. Um, I should be making this amount of money by now. I should have a partner who is a successful musician or a software engineer who can support my art or, or whatever else instead of the normal people that I've been dating. A good friend would buy tickets to all of my shows and bring a date. Yeah, would it be great if we all had financial security, the perfect partner, and warm audiences? Of course. Are those things realistic? Not always. Expecting perfection guarantees resentment. I recently read a great post by Amy Hoy about how to get good at things quickly. It's called Seven Steps to Skill Up Rapidly at Literally Anything. I'll put it in the show notes. Amy Hoy wrote a post about becoming good at skills you're not wildly passionate about, and I think it works just as well for mastering skills you are passionate about if you just need to stop overthinking things and produce something. That's what I did with this podcast, because otherwise I was going to dilly about it for years before, because I'd never think anything I do is good enough. So I'm going to let this imperfect you know, episode out into the world and that's just gonna be how it is. It'll be done, it'll be imperfect, and then I will iterate and evolve from there. If you're easily discouraged, resist the urge to spend too long comparing your work to the pros. Take a step back for a day, 48 hours a week, however long you need to come back to your work with kinder, more objective eyes. And here's an alternative I'm proposing to calling other people's art cringe. So I work with the renowned creative director, Hilary Weiss, and she hosts a talk show on YouTube with another marketing expert that I really admire named Margot Aaron. Their YouTube show is called Hamya, Hillary and Margot Yell at Websites. Hillary said something in there that I really resonated with, and she said, creative work is people's spirit laid out on a plate. In that episode, they give the advice to give thoughtful, constructive critiques. To lightly paraphrase what Margot said in that episode, when you're brutally honest with your feedback, your ego wins. It doesn't move the piece forward. I think being able to critique a peer's work to drive it forward is a creative skill all its own. Giving better feedback makes you better at your craft and helping people improve makes us more valuable members of our communities. Nobody wants to be around that dickhead who sneers at everyone else's work, but never has anything to drive the conversation forward. So live and let live, not everything is made for you. The world and the internet are unimaginably vast. Life is too short to hold newbies in contempt for making things you don't personally enjoy. And I was having this conversation with another comic last night after the mic. You're never going to be criticized by somebody doing more than you. Pros don't call amateurs cringe. Only other amateurs do that. So boss up. Putting your work out there is brave. Criticizing people who show up imperfectly is an insecure person's move. Thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of Classy Broadcast. I've been Daniela Lefebvre, and you have been amazing. And hey, Labor Day just passed us, which means Starbucks just dropped the pumpkin spice latte, so logically, Christmas is just around the corner. Head over to daniellelefebvre.com to shop my original designs of pop culture-inspired ugly sweater tees, because if you live in Texas, it's never truly ugly sweater weather, but you should look fresh anyway. All right. You are amazing. Thank you so much for being with me today.